Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. This is Lindsay Maestas, and today we are going to be talking about lust. If you're just joining in, we are in the Seven Deadly Sins series, and it's been a really, really cool opportunity to dig into scripture about what it says about the sins that we struggle with and navigate how to overcome them by God's grace and by his word. So if you are new, I'm so thankful to have you here. Thanks for being here. I am currently on my couch. (laughs) My kids are with their friends and I have a cup of coffee and I'm just recording. So grab your cup of coffee, cozy up and join me. On this podcast, I talk about relationships, challenging yourself to live a life that is not stagnant or even comfortable, but one that is full of joy, a thriving, beautiful life. And that's kind of my heart. And so that's why I'm here. And I hope that you enjoy the conversation. For those of you who have been around for a while, thank you so much. And hello again. Also, I am going to be launching my episodes on Tuesdays from here on out. This is solely for the sake of my family. I found myself kind of consumed by recording, editing, writing during the weekend when I wanted to be with my family. Both of my boys have school on Mondays, so I just figured in this season of life, Tuesdays work better. So make sure to tune in on Tuesdays, and if you haven't listened to the 7 Deadly Sin series, listen back to the other episodes that we've recorded. They've been really good so far. I've had a ton of amazing feedback from people and just saying that God has really spoken to them through that. So I am thankful you're here. And now let's jump in to lust. So one of my favorite pastors, Matt Chandler said, Christ is a bigger savior than I ever imagined, but you'll never be able to rejoice in that if you don't think you're guilty of anything. And as I've said at the beginning of all of these episodes, I really want to challenge you to listen for yourself and for the sake of your own heart rather than the sake of your spouse, your friend, your sister, your brother, your parent, whoever it might be, that you hear it for yourself. Because I want to be clear, though you may not struggle, say, with pornography, which we will discuss, you may struggle with emotional lust where you're longing for someone else, a different relationship, someone who provides more to you emotionally than physically and we'll dive into that as well. But emotional pornography, physical pornography, emotional lust, struggling with comparison of spouses, all of these things can really challenge us. Also seeking attention or praise from members of the opposite sex. When you compare the gravity of your sin to Jesus' death on the cross for that sin and the struggle that you face, it helps us to see it in the correct light. And if we're not willing to really own 
what we are, which is depraved, sinful human beings, we will never be able to rejoice in all that God has done for us because he has completed it, right? He's done the work and it's done. And we don't have to work toward redemption or salvation that's given to us as a gift of faith. However, a self-awareness and repentance are a key to the Christian faith. And one thing that Paul <laughs> does really well in the Bible is he reminds us of our sin and really how awful we are. Um, and he reminded the people of that time in Ephesians 2, in 1 Corinthians 6, in Romans 1, in Titus 3, Paul regularly reminds the people of their sin. And he says things like, you are revilers and drunkards and addicts and sexual perverts and you are lustful. And he doesn't let it go. He keeps reminding people. And I think there are a lot of people who are like, wait, though, the work is completed. It's been accomplished. However, I think that one of the biggest struggles that I see within the church, within people, is the unwillingness to see their sin for what it is or to justify their sin. So when you are able to own your sin, to know that you may be a liar or a pervert or that you're broken or rebellious or that you worship approval rather than God, um, to think that you know better than God and that pride sits on your heart, to know that you're a lover of money or you're controlling and you don't trust him. And yes, it gets better over time because of Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, but we are not fully owning our sin. And when we talk specifically about lust, when we're willing to own it, it makes such a huge impact. I know that the majority of my audience is women and I love all of you so much and I'm so thankful to have you here. But I also know there's a lot of you who listen with your husbands. I know that there are a lot of men who listen on their own. I'm so thankful to have all of you. And this goes toward everybody. One thing that I do see though is that men are obviously more open about their struggle of sin with lust because society seems to be more accepting of it when it comes to men. For whatever reason, when it comes to women, there's just more shame surrounding it. And there's already a ton of shame surrounding it for both men and women, but women have a harder time speaking it out. And I just want to encourage you, half of the people I know who struggle with pornography are women. So if you struggle with that, you are not alone. If you struggle with lust, you're not alone. But this shame that we feel in regards to lust really causes us to fall deeper and deeper into the sin because we're so afraid of talking about it. As you hear in nearly every episode I record, I believe this so strongly that once your sin is in the light, Satan loses his power over it. So we feel afraid and therefore we don't seek accountability because we feel dirty. I've been there. And it's one of the greatest lies perpetuated by the enemy that you can't talk about it, that you can't share it, that you can't confess it. Because here's the thing, you guys, at the foot of the cross, everything is equal. Selfishness is equal to lust. Pride is equal to lust. A love of money is equal to lust. Let's go a step further to say watching pornography is equal to being selfish. Watching pornography is equal to sexual sin before marriage. Sexual sin before marriage is equal to pride. At the foot of the cross, everything is the same. But we are less afraid to talk about those other things because there's not such a stigma attached to them. But when we own our sin, it creates a power that pushes us to deal with our idols and our temptations. And so once we start facing it, once you pause this or any other of the seven deadly sins and say, okay, Lord, 
I'm facing it. This is real in my life. This is the disconnect it's causing between me and you and our relationship. This is the damage it's causing to my relationship with others, to my spouse, to my children. We've got to get into the heart of it. We have to confess it. We have to go into those depths. And we're not being surface level anymore. So then that creates, again, that power after we've repented Now we're moving forward toward, okay, I am fully acceptable and God is a bigger savior than my sin. He's bigger than I ever imagined anything that I struggle with, but I have to also believe that I am still broken and I still need his grace. But we will never be able to rejoice in his grace if we don't think that we're guilty of anything. So let's dive in a little bit deeper into the specific topic of lust, just because I wanted to kind of preface it with the, it's okay if you're struggling with lust, it's okay if that is something that has a bondage over you, it's okay if you've been ashamed to talk about it, but now let's fight it, let's battle it. And when I say it's okay, I'm not saying your sin is good or okay or right, I am saying Shame is from the enemy, not from Jesus. Redemption, restoration, and healing are from Jesus. So let's look into why we actually struggle with lust. And this is something Jesse's very open with, and we're hoping to do an episode on it. But Jesse has struggled with lust throughout the entirety of our marriage. And when I say struggled, you guys, it's been such an example to me of what it means to really battle your sin. It's not always been that way. It's not always been perfect. But he has exemplified to me what it means to truly wage war on sin, to not accept it, to not embrace it, to be broken over it on your face in tears, pleading for God to take it away. I've witnessed that in him so many times. And it's been just a really beautiful experience for me, though extremely painful at times as well. Um, And I've worked really hard to understand it because the more that I understand it from a logical, sin-based perspective, the more it helps me to have compassion and grace. And I pray that it's the same for you if your spouse struggles. Equally, though, I want to tell you I'm so sorry because I know truly how painful this can be, whether it's played out in pornography or conversations with other women or liking Instagram photos And again, this can go back and forth. This can be both for men and women, so I shouldn't be generalizing. But if you as a spouse within your marriage have struggled with this, with photos being liked or conversations being had, that I'm truly sorry. And I know how heart-wrenching it is. I know that it just makes your stomach turn. I know that it is just excruciating at times. And uh, my heart goes out to you, and I just challenge you and encourage you to pray deeply for a greater sense of grace than you've ever had, a greater sense of understanding and a love and compassion and even kindness toward the struggle. So, okay, going back, I kind of trailed off a little bit, so forgive me, but why do we struggle with lust? So number one, on the surface, we may look at selfishness or lack of self-control as the heart of lust, and it is a piece of it, but those are not the main portion of what the root is for lust. Typically, it is a feeling of emptiness. So people may give into lust as an attempt to fill kind of this hole in their life or in their heart. And this doesn't mean that you as a spouse, if your spouse struggles with this, that you're not providing something for them. A lot of the time, 
and we'll get into this, but your mind has created this lie that you are not fulfilled until you have this pornography. Um, it's actually a physiological response. And so when they feel a person feels lonely or they feel discontent, they try to fill that. And that emptiness, it's very short-lived. It always proves to be in vain because it leaves the lustful person feeling emptier than before because not only have they now satisfied something that was so short-lived, but they also know that they're in sin and sinning against the God who saved them. So lust within itself is a false emotion. It's a horrible, awful, unreal substitute for genuine love, for true value, and for enduring discipleship. So number two as to why we struggle with lust is a lack of self-control. It is worth mentioning because a choice in our lives as Christians to have emotional control or a lack of self-control is a condition of the heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What this is saying is that if a person believes something within their hearts, if they stay committed to the value that God has placed in them or that conviction, then they can live that out by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we are saying, oh, it's just too hard. I give up, you know, like, oh, I tried really hard, but I'm still bored or I'm still empty and I just need to satisfy. I need to feel something good temporarily. We are not believing in the power that is given by the Holy Spirit day in and day out because he's living within our hearts. Lastly, we struggle with lust because of idleness. When we have too little going on in our lives, we tend to be more susceptible to evil, dark influences. And I know that this has been a huge struggle with Jesse, that when he gets bored or when he doesn't have something going on, he's like somebody who always needs to be going, to be thinking, to be researching, that when he's not doing something that the temptation really sinks in for him. And so he now has had to kind of choose to be greatly intentional with the free time that he does have to ensure that he stays active, that he's engaged in communicating with people. So his mind is working, he's staying in community, and also that he has put limits on his phone, which he's had for years to prevent that temptation. So all of those things are really important, but he has noticed the greatest decrease in his struggle when he has something else that keeps him busy, whether it's a video game or golfing or now his new thing is pickleball. And I do want to be clear, this isn't something that consumes his mind day in and day out. It has become so much less of a struggle in the past 10 years that we've been married, especially I would say the past three years. It has diminished so much and I'm just thankful to God for that. He has just learned to be so intentional with his life because of that struggle, because he doesn't want to dishonor me. He doesn't want to dishonor God. He doesn't want to dishonor his children. And he feels very, very passionate about that. And so he gets ahead of it. And instead, and I talk about this a lot, that instead of us fighting our sin when it comes, that we flee from it before it even approaches us. And that is the most powerful, impactful way to actually make a difference with your sin. So there's this quote that's really resonated with me, and it says, desires dictate our priorities, priorities shape our choices, and choices determine our actions. So in other words, not only do we want to be aware that selfishness, lack of self-control, idleness, emptiness can cause our struggle with lust, we also want to be aware of the thoughts 
that are caused by those feelings or the thoughts that we receive, kind of like that reward center that we receive from it. So how do we get there? It's like a domino effect. It's where we're seeing, okay, I have my priority, which might be filling this hole in my heart right now. And then that priority shapes that choice. Okay, I'm just going to watch pornography or look at some girl's photos or some guy's photos. And then that choice determines that action. So if we can instead get ahead of that and focus on what our priority is, that's when everything changes. And the priority in all things is to be so consumed by and in love with the Lord that this feels like the worst idea ever. And therefore that choice is not made, but we have to get there. And so before we talk a little bit about that, I want to discuss how pornography affects your mind and your physical body. So I have talked about this. I have one episode about sex and masturbation. And then I have another episode about pornography with author Brooke Hazen. And then I also have one with CIA agent Nick McKinley, about sex trafficking and the tie with pornography. So make sure to scroll through and find those episodes. They're really, really impactful. But with that said, briefly, I want to talk about this because I do think it's important when it comes to understanding the mind of another person. So porn affects your brain more than you might realize. The cravings experienced by someone who is hooked on porn are very similar to that of a drug addict. So when we have this repeated exposure to porn, the portion of the brain responsible for decision-making and willpower and self-control actually begins to physically shrink, you guys, physically shrinking your brain. The chemical pathways of the brain that are designed for sexual pleasure are fully rewired to seek out porn instead of real sex. The chemical pathways in your brain are literally rewired. They are changed from what you knew before as sexual pleasure to what you now know as sexual pleasure through pornography. So when having sex or watching porn, dopamine is released into a region of the brain that's responsible for emotion and for learning, which gives the person who's watching pornography a sense of focus and of craving, where it goes from this like quick thought to this, I need this right now. I have to have this. And then as your mind is thinking that, your body and your libido respond to that, which amplifies that feeling. So your body is saying, yes, give that to me. Your mind is saying, yes, give that to me. And it's almost as if you've turned off any sense of self-control or logic in that moment. And so as you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need this, and you have that itch for sexual pleasure – Small pockets of dopamine are released into your brain telling the viewer, remember where you got that last fix or that last hit? Go there to get it. And so that is where the addiction begins and perpetuates. And sex and porn also trigger oxytocin and vasopressin. And these are essentially hormones that help to lay down long-term memories for the cells. So it's actually something that binds a person's memories to the object that gave him that or her, that sexual pleasure. So this is very dangerous. Why? Because it actually damages the pleasure that you're experiencing within sex and intimacy with your spouse. You're becoming mentally addicted to the release that pornography gives you, and it diminishes the joy that you feel in real life sex. So it's literally a tool used by the enemy to create a wall or a foothold within your marriage and to ruin something so sweet, which is sex, that God created for good for your marriage. 
So this is just, I think, fascinating stuff. I have really been intrigued reading more and more about the brain and your body and what pornography does and what lust does as a whole. And this is also emotional pornography, you guys. Very similarly, when you're watching regular rom-coms with these romantic men or women or beautiful men or women who work on themselves and show up and call and text all the time, it triggers something in you that gives you that almost fulfilling sense. And you may actually experience this through books as well, where you're like, gosh, I feel like I'm in a relationship with this person, or I feel like I want this to be my life. And it triggers something within your brain similarly that tells you this is your fix. You're getting that fix from somebody fictional in a movie or in a book or whatever it might be, versus your spouse. And even if your spouse is not the most romantic person, it really steals away from the opportunity for romance because you've already accomplished that fix within yourself. And so therefore you are not putting in the effort towards your spouse in the way that you should, whether physically or emotionally, because you have received that fix yourself already. So essentially porn shrinks your brain. It releases binding elements to memories that cause you to not enjoy sex with your spouse anymore. And it absolutely rewires your brain towards something sinful and demonic, essentially. So now I want to share a few verses about lust and what God's word says about it, because I think it helps us to understand God's heart toward the sin of lust and also kind of to navigate what it looks like for us to fight it and overcome it. So Matthew 5.28 says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent or man, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, a lot of the time we see things like this and we think, oh my gosh, yeah, right. I've done that a million times. But it helps us to see the gravity of our sin. Just like if you hate someone, then you've murdered them in your heart. God is saying, again, we're not comparing ourselves to the standards of the world. We're comparing ourselves to the standards of God. And that is why we need him. We see this, that I'm sure we've all looked at a man or woman thinking, wow, they look really good or they look really nice with their shirt off or mine is Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) I always think, oh my gosh, I need to shut this off. He looks really good and Jesse gives me a hard time about it. And so we all had thoughts like that. But what God is saying, and not to make light of it because I, I don't intend to, I'm just saying we all are human beings. But when we have the intent of lust, not just like, okay, I see them, appreciate what they look like, move along. But when we have lustful intent, we are committing adultery in our heart against God. So it goes back to that priority. What is our priority? Is it to see pretty people? Is it to fill our cravings and desires? Or is it to honor the Lord with our lives? And if it is to honor the Lord, then we have to fight even looking at a woman or a man in a lustful way. 1 John 2.16 For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Those desires of the flesh that you feel like you're constantly needing to satisfy are not from God because everything that we need is within Him. And everything that we have that is good and is of Him is a gift from Him. And so when we live in those good gifts, rather than seeking out the tainted version of those good gifts, we experience the fullness of God. So Colossians 3, 5, how do we battle it? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality. This includes sex outside of marriage, affairs, 
relationships that may not involve sex, but you're trying to push the line as far as you possibly can, where you're asking the question, how far is too far, instead of remembering that Christ died on the cross even for that little sin. Um, But put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, all of these things are idolatrous. So 1 Corinthians 6.18 is what we're going to dive into, and it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So how do we flee from lust and sexual immorality? I want to share this acronym that was shared by John Piper. It has been so impactful in my life, in my counseling with other couples, conversations with other couples, and even in my marriage with Jesse. And Pastor John Piper has some phenomenal sermons when it comes to sin as a whole, but specifically lust. So if you haven't heard his teachings, make sure to go and check them out. That's Pastor John Piper. So how do we fight it? The acronym that he has shared is ANTHEM. Number one, A is avoid. Avoid as much as is possible and reasonable the sights, the situations. This means the TV shows, the scrolling, the platforms that cause you to stumble, or anything that arouses unfitting desire. Avoiding as a whole is a biblical strategy. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Number two, the N is no. Say no to every lustful thought within five seconds of having that thought. This is truly what it means to take your thoughts captive. So you want to say it, say no within the first five seconds, but also say it with the authority of Jesus. And you guys, you don't have more or much more than that five seconds. If you give it more time than that, it lodges itself with such force into a place where it's almost immovable. So say it out loud in your home, rebuke it, be tough. And there's a quote that says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And if you think of that every single time, okay, no, in the name of Jesus, no, but how is it killing me? Think about all of the things it's destroying. And here's one thought. You guys, I've always told my husband, like, if you're struggling, I'm available. Like, come to me. And when I told him that, it gave him so much freedom because he's like, well, I don't want to burden you or I don't want you to think I'm coming to you because my mind is struggling or because I saw something and I'm like, living it out through you. And I said, no, I I don't think that because you are not choosing to act on the sin that you're tempted. Temptation is not sin. The act of lust, the act of watching pornography, the act of sexual immorality, that is sin. But the temptation itself is not sin. And I choose as a wife to not see it as such. So come to me. I'm here. (laughs) Even if I don't want to in that moment, I promise you, I am here. And it has helped him a lot. And so I just encourage you in that. Number three, T for turn. Turn the mind forcefully toward Christ as a superior satisfaction, as the thing that is greater than the thing that you are being tempted by. Saying no is not going to be enough. It is the first step, but you have to move from a place of defense to a place of offense, fighting fire with fire, and attacking the promises, the empty promises that this sin is giving you and replacing those with the promises of Christ. So the Bible calls lust deceitful desires in Ephesians 4.22. And it's because they lie. They promise more than they can deliver to you every single time. And the Bible calls them passions of your former ignorance in 1 Peter 1.14. So your former ignorance means you were a fool. Before you knew God, 
you were a fool because you weren't enlightened to his love, to his grace, to his goodness, to his power and omnipotence. So what this is saying is only fools, only the unwise give into this sin. So turn your mind forcefully toward Christ as the satisfaction. C.S. Lewis is my favorite author of all time. And one of his quotes that has resonated with me the most in my life says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. I thought this was so powerful. I've always continued going back time and time again to this quote because what it's saying is we are filling ourselves with these little things that we think are going to satisfy. And God is saying, oh my gosh, I have so much more for you. I don't know if you've seen, there's a little meme that goes around on Instagram and Jesus is holding like this huge teddy bear behind his back. And there's this little girl in front of him with a tiny bear. And she's like, but please don't take it. I love it so much. But Jesus has something so much bigger and better for her behind his back. And she's like reaching for it. And he's reaching for it saying, no, trust me. I have more for you. And I think that's what we do with this. It's like we diminish the power of sexual intimacy within our marriage. We withhold our bodies from our spouse. We don't place importance on sexual intimacy. And therefore we get distracted by these half-hearted pleasures, these empty pleasures. And God is saying, I have so much for you. I have a vacation at an all-inclusive resort and you want to play in the mud. Don't you understand there's more for you? And that's what lust does. That is what sexual immorality does. It is like playing in the mud. It never fully satisfies and we're left longing for more and more and more. Next is H. H is for hold Hold the promise and the pleasure of Christ firmly in your mind until it pushes the other images out. Next is H. H stands for hold. Hold the promise and the pleasure of Christ firmly in your mind until it pushes the other images out. Hebrews 12.2 says to fix your eyes on Jesus. So this is where many people fail and struggle because they give in too soon. They say, I tried. I really tried. I kept myself distracted. I went into the dishes. I went outside for a run. I came back and I can't push it out. And so the question really is, and I just challenge you to ask yourself this if you ever struggle, whether it's with you know sleeping with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or pushing the limits with a boyfriend or girlfriend or watching something you shouldn't be, asking the question, how long did I actually try? How hard did I exert my mind? The mind is a muscle, you guys, and you can flex it with power and with the power of the God and the Holy Spirit. So are you holding on to the kingdom? Are you setting your mind on things of God? Are you setting your mind on the truth that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven? As scripture says, be tough and hold the promise of Christ before your eyes. Number five is E for enjoy. Enjoy a superior satisfaction in Jesus. And this goes back to that, to that C.S. Lewis quote cultivate the capacities for pleasure in Christ. One reason that lust is just so powerful in so many people is because Christ has so little appeal to them. They are not seeing God for who he is, for the majesty of his life. They are just seeing him for this small image that maybe blessed, like a little Santa Claus, somebody who blesses their life when they reach out to him or somebody who was really powerful and impactful for them when they were first saved, but they've let that go because the world has consumed them. 
we default to a place of deceit because we have such little delight in who Christ is. And when you say, oh, that's just not me, like I can't be that ultimate passionate person who's raising their hands up in church, I want to challenge you and ask you, what steps have you actually taken to amplify that affection and that desire for Jesus? Have you fought for joy in him? Have you sought him with your heart, soul, and mind recently, daily, every single day? Don't come to a place where you allow yourself to be fatalistic, where you say, oh, it's all or nothing. I've just lost it. You were created, your heart, your body, your mind, your soul were created to treasure Christ with all of your heart more than you treasure sex or a spouse or sugar or food. All of these things will only fill your heart for a season or for a moment. They are so, so fleeting. So why are we not treasuring the ultimate thing over these temporary things? Lastly, six is M for move. Move into a useful activity away from idleness and other vulnerable behaviors. So lust grows quickly, as we talked about, in the garden of leisure. I would just encourage if you are somebody who is struggling with sex before marriage to not be alone. This is something Jesse and I had to navigate on our own because we could not keep our hands off of each other. And it was a huge struggle for us. So we had to come to a place where we chose we will not be alone. So if he was at home and he was studying, I decided I couldn't go over there anymore because we just pushed the limits and it was unhealthy and unbiblical and unloving to one another essentially. And so we stopped doing that. We would meet in groups. We would have friends over. We would go out to a restaurant and do things. But until we got married, because even an engagement, you think, oh, we're so close, but an engagement can end, you guys. And so having that wisdom to step away from the sexual temptation is so God-honoring, and he will bless you in that. So find something to do. Go for a jog. Do some jumping jacks. Do something that stimulates you. Go and clean the house. Do not be lazy about it. Find a good work to do and do it well. Romans 12, 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And Christ died to make you zealous for good works. So use those good works for his glory and against your sin and the temptations of the enemy and displace deceitful lust with a passion for God and for good deeds. So lastly, I want to talk about this because having those tools is so powerful and so effective, but nothing changes unless you want it. Nothing changes unless you're in a place where you're saying, God, you are more important to me than pornography. You are more important to me than sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You are more important to me than pushing the boundaries with that coworker. You, Lord, are of the utmost importance, and these things are empty. They're fleeting, they're temporary, and they're destructive. And that is what the enemy comes to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. So whether it's before marriage and you can't keep your hands off of one another, he's going to use that temptation to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to steal your joy. He's going to kill your passion for God, and he's going to destroy your relationship because of that sin. And if it's pornography or it's an affair, it is the same thing. He is stealing, killing, and destroying what matters the most in your life. And you see it time and time again with these affairs, these pastors on the pulpits who are having affairs or these celebrities having affairs. What happens to their lives after? It's absolutely wrecked and broken no matter how quickly they move on. It is not something that is healed within months or even within years. This damage is 
permanent. Yes, there's restoration. Yes, there's healing. But any couple who has faced an affair will tell you that it follows them day in and day out in their relationships. And so what do we do? Once we have these tools to battle, it is repentance that makes the greatest difference. Now in closing, I want to be clear that confession is not the same as repentance because there is one type of confession, which is worldly sorrow. And this is basically an expression of guilt or of shame that you don't actually have the faith to believe you're not going to commit again. So you say, God, forgive me. I messed up. I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. But in your mind, in the back of your mind, and we're all fully aware of our own self-control and our temptations to say, yes, I'm apologizing, but I know this is going to happen again. That is worldly sorrow because the shame is seeping in. And so you're just using confession as a way to feel better. And what you're doing is taking advantage of the grace of God. And in Romans, it says, are we to take advantage of God's grace by no means. We don't take it just because he gives it freely. We don't take it with abuse. We receive that grace and then we honor that grace. And that's what we do with repentance. So repentance is a type of confession that is God honoring. It is similar to the first in that you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel sorrow for your sins, but it's different in that you're choosing to wage war on that sin itself. And you're aiming by the power of the Holy Spirit and of God to defeat that sin and to say, this is not going to happen again. I'm not going to get in bed with my boyfriend or girlfriend again, because I know where that leads. I'm not going to get on that pornography website because I know where that leads. I'm not going to start a conversation with a coworker via Snapchat chat or in the office because I know where that leads. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are choosing in the moment of repentance to defeat it and to not let it rob your life and have power over you. So it is the supremacy of Christ that is above all. And it's believing in that power and the sanctification and the redemption that he has poured into your life that helps you to overcome the struggle of lust and sexual temptation and sexual immorality. So if you are in alignment with God, if you're abiding in him and in his word and in prayer day in and day out, then he becomes that priority. And as we go back to that quote that I read at the beginning, desires dictate our priorities. Priorities shape our choices and choices determine our actions. So when our desire is to honor God in every aspect of our life, to live our lives with excellence, to make disciples, to to hear at the end of our lives, well done, my good and faithful servant, that desire is going to dictate what we prioritize in our life. And that priority to honor God is going to shape the choice that we make when it comes to desiring to be sexually immoral. We're going to choose to use the anthem acronym that I shared instead of giving into it again. And then that choice will determine the actions that we take. And those actions, as we discussed, will be the good deeds and living with a passionate zeal for Jesus, for his people, and for your family, and for your family, and for yourself, who will no longer be harmed by your struggle with sexual immorality. So, wow, I know this is a lot. (laughs) You guys, it is a lot. It's heavy whenever I teach on things like this. Like I feel like I can't breathe probably because I didn't breathe halfway through the recording. So forgive me, but I am so passionate about this, not only because I have felt it and been on the receiving end of the pain that it can cause, but also because I know that there is healing and I've seen it not only in the my husband's life and people's lives around me, But they are taking real action to restore and it is possible. And it is a miracle of God, but it's also one that creates beauty in the lives of people who are willing to fight for sexual morality. So 
With all of that said, I love you guys. If you haven't yet tuned into our Sex and Intimacy Project, I really challenge you to. It is not a course all about sex. It actually focuses much more heavily on love languages and committing to one another emotionally and investing in one another emotionally, being equal parents in the home and allowing that to be something that bonds you rather than separates you. And then we talk about the intimacy aspect and how a spiritual faith together deepens that intimacy, not only sexually, but also holding hands and hugging and loving on one another in a way that is an example for your children. So with all that said, make sure to check it out. It is going to be on sale for Valentine's Day for only a couple of days, so do not miss it. You can also get the marriage bundle, which includes the wife project from roommates to soulmates, eight and a half weeks to becoming a more godly and faithful wife, and the sex and intimacy project for couples. So you can get both of them for $100 off and then also an additional sales price. So do not miss it. The link is in my show notes, or you can always find it on my TikTok at Jesse and Lindsay or on Instagram at Living Easy with Lindsay. I love you guys. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to rate and review the episode. It means so much when you do. I love hearing your feedback. It's just very encouraging to me and helps me to continue moving forward. And again, as another reminder, episodes will be launching on Tuesdays. I'll talk to you guys next time.